Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Speaking of Africans. Yes. I had Freeway Ricky on recently. Freeway. And he says something interesting about Africans. Well, let me, let me see if I can just yeah. let me find it real I just quick. I met him. He's cool as shit. So this is Freeway Ricky. Yes. Talking about African-Americans. An African. Yes. Oh, I love it. You love it? I love it. Can't wait for this. That's how Soul Plane got good. Or, 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 uh, we can escape to, you know, this is like everything that we have is right here. You know, even even Africa, they don't really accept American blacks. You know, they don't really like us. There's a friction between American blacks and, and Africa. African. Well, American women. blacks don't have no friction. They have a friction. Yeah. American blacks like everybody. This is true. We 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 yeah. just like accept anybody coming in our community. Oh, come on in, bring your store and all your goods and everything. We'll buy that shit. It might not be worth a damn, but we'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll support you. Yeah, you're right. The racism comes from the African side. Yeah, we don't we don't have any of that. Uh, uh, American blacks, uh, I feel, have been giving away their stuff too long. You know, it's time for us to become more conscious about everything that we do, what we do with it who we allow to, 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 to get our money. And I think that once they do that, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a big difference. But, uh, no, we don't, we, don't, we don't have anything against them. Uh, they have a friction against us. Right. Right, but... He's so right. He's so you're actually agreeing with this. Damn right. Because you're African. And I'm West African, Nigerian, but I was born in Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska. Father went to school there. I have video on my Instagram. Uh, comedian Godfrey, by the way. <laughs> but um, it's the truth. Because if you remember the movie Sugar Hill, yep. and there's a scene yeah. where they're doing the thing with the drug dealer, and the guy said, we can't work with Akata. We can't work with Akata. That's a, that's a word that they were calling the American blacks, Akata, the Nigerians. Akata is a word that they use for American blacks. And Wesley Snipes like, yo, what is this Akata shit you keep calling us? And the guy goes, we don't want to work with cotton pickers. And then Wesley beats the shit out of them. And, but it's the truth. So African Americans and Africans have always had friction. You know what I'm saying? But Africans, and I know some Africans are going to probably be like, I don't like what you Man, whatever. People were upset over this clip. This clip started to viral on Twitter. Why are they getting upset at that clip? First of all, it's the truth. Africans come... To America, and a lot of African, my African American friends say, man, a lot of Africans are really mean towards us. They're really nasty towards us because they feel they're better towards us. And I think it's the wrong attitude to take because I'm West African, but I was born here. My friends are African American and African. I think it's fucked up because here's the thing Africa, like whether you say Nigerians or, or, or Ethiopians, we were colonized by Europeans, man. We were colonized. We were treated like shit. Look at South Africa. With all the Dutch, they shit on South Africans, man. And finally, I think South Africans, with the help of Julius Malema and all these, they're trying to take some of their shit back. Dutch people are fucked up towards fucking black Africans. And the fact that a South African, a, a white South African called himself African to me is fucking ridiculous. Like, you're Dutch. You just didn't leave. How the fuck do you steal African from somebody? 
How do you go? Listen, if I was born, if I was born in China, Vlad, and I said I'm Chinese, I've lived there my whole life. Would you believe me? Would you believe that I was Chinese if I said, listen, and I even have the accent, listen, I'm Chinese. I promise, I've been there all my life. Would you? Would you believe me? Yes, I would. You would say I'm Chinese. You would believe I was Chinese. You wouldn't say, hey, you're a black dude. You just happen to be a Chinese. third generation Chinese. No, I was like, no. What if I lived there all my life? I'm Chinese. I go ni hao and I speak a lot. Do you consider yourself American? But what you would believe I was Chinese though? Well, I believe you're American. Would you say I'm black first? Would you look at me as a black man first? Hmm. I was like, if I'm, if I'm, if, I, I, I know, if you never open your mouth. First, I if I didn't open my mouth and I'm sitting like this, I would first see you as a black person. You you would say there's and a black you, guy. And then you would open your mouth and, and, and I go, "Jiswa Dong Chao Wa Di Xiong Wa." You wouldn't believe that shit. You'd be like, "Chinese, there's some, there's a Chinese some, black guy." There's a black dude doing some Chinese shit. I don't know what the fuck that was. You, but it's like when white South Africans, white. That's not even real. You're not even genetically an African. The fuck? You don't even live amongst the black ones. It's that same mentality. That Africans have when they come, to, and I've had relatives, man, I'm not going to name them. I've had relatives go, oh, we're better than African Americans. I go, no, we're not, because I was just stopped by the police the other day. And I'm going to tell you, I used to try to use that African accent, you know what I mean? When police stop me, I say, uh, I'm sorry, officer, what is the problem? I am not the same as them. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I'm, I'm not going to act like, you know, of course there's a, a slight cultural difference when you're African because we have, because you know what it is? In Africa, usually they'll show African Americans in a certain light. So Africans will have this this concept of how Africans are, African Americans are. And then in America, they would show us Tarzan. They would show us Tarzan and Africans suffering from with flies on their faces, starving, you know, 300 African kids in a school yeah. with no books. So we have, so they would used to call me Black African Booty Scratcher. They used to call me names. Those are the Nigerians I was telling you about, man. The motherfuckers, they be getting their shit from Pakistan, right? They go to Lagos. They be bringing it over here in diplomatic pouches, man. They rocking the Bronx with that shit. Is that right? Funny. One time we used to look at him for our history and our culture. You want history and culture? You want National Geographic and shit? I tell you, man, no, we get with these motherfuckers, man, we can get out of bed with Gus and the rest of them Wapagini motherfuckers, man, like a bunch of cheap $2 hoes. Man, let's motherfucking go over and take care of some business. Come on. Hey! Untumbe! How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Renato? How are you? This is my brother, uh, Romello here. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasure. I told you all about him. Yeah. How are you doing? He's uh, so. Uh, what's, what's this deal? Okay. Well, we've been thinking about this, Renaton, and we just, it won't work. We can't work with Jakarta. You know, you do your wait, thing. Wait, 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 no, wait, we wait, do wait, 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 wait. This is my brother. He's a very, very busy man. I understand. This is not a personal thing. It is something we have just... We cannot do it. Hey! 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 Hey!
It won't work. You do your thing, I do my thing, you know? It won't work. We can't work with Akata. Akata, Akata. Where's this Akata shit? Like American? Oh, shit. Cotton picker. All right, people, what's going on? Saiki Kesadabenga here, live and direct from Los Angeles, California, Southern Cal, SoCal, West Side. Saying hello to all you all on the other side, north side, east side, south side, all that good stuff. Hope you all are doing well out there. Seems like the new order just came down from the mayor of Los Angeles for folks to stay in this week. Uh, not even to go shopping. I guess this is the week where it's supposed to, uh, the the infection rate is supposed to severely spike. Actually, it's really getting scary out there. And I may just do a show of, of live broadcast as I walk the street. Uh, apparently, I believe in Riverside at a senior citizen home, 30 patients tested positive in one night. So they're not sure if they tested positive or they're, they're showing the symptoms of having the coronavirus or COVID-19. So I can just implore you all out there to really stay safe. Don't take it for granted. Don't play around with your health. Don't play around with your neighbor's health. Don't play around with your loved one's health. Just really take care of yourself. Make sure you're stocked up on food. Make sure you're stocked up on liquid. Make sure you're stocked up on the other essentials for the homes <laughs> that you may need. And just take this time to, you know, they say stay at home. But, you know, what I was thinking about when I looked out the window today, and just by let you know, again, we're in our, a different location so we can get a better reception for all of us that are on broadband. So if you hear some background noise like an EMT, sirens, I'm not on the run. I'm not hanging out the window. I'm not choking somebody like that, so don't worry about it. Yet, when I looked out the window this morning, I saw a homeless person or a streetless person, or I don't know what the new term is right now, across the street huddled, huddled in a doorway. And I was asking, you know, to myself, when they say stay at home, where the homeless go to? They're they're on the street. You know, it was pouring rain this morning. This morning, they're on the street. It was freezing uh, last night and raining. They're on the street. You know. And now again, they're finding more infected among the homeless population, especially down by Skid Row. And I don't really, I don't reside too far from there, so it's really challenging. I think mentally for a lot of people. So I can say to you is, you know, whatever your faith may be, pray, uh, study more in your faith, get more into your faith, read those books, maybe the Quran, the Torah, the Bible, whatever it may be. Just read those, and complete them if you haven't, or just write letters to your friends. I know a lot of us using technology, so you know, use that Skype, use that Zoom. I guess that's a big thing right now. A lot of my kids are using TikTok, especially my wild niece, Ari Ariel. <laughs> so, but I have nothing. I just love her too much. She cracks me up, but she's gonna do great things. Ariel so cold. She has the coolest name on Instagram. So if you go over there, give a shout out to her. Uncle says hello. But people, it's just crazy out there. So. Catch up on your reading, catch up on your rest. I need to catch up on my rest because I woke up this morning so lightheaded I was dizzy. Like literally so, because I've been staying up these late hours, essentially 15, 20 hours a day. So it's getting kind of crazy. So I say that quite often, but reach out to somebody. Don't just send them an email. You know, get on, if they have FaceTime or something or WhatsApp where you can see a video, shoot out, you know, give them a shout out. Or if you ever send a text, say a text, hey, look, I'm wondering how you're doing. When can we talk? I know I can't visit you, anything like that, but when can we talk on the phone or something? Because, you know, people, as a prisoner said some time ago who was in solitary confinement for a quite a, a long time, he said, you know, people people aren't designed to be in solitude, cut off from human interaction. They they need that human interaction. 
So, again, reach out to the people that you haven't talked to in a while. Reach out to someone that you love. Reach out to someone that you're concerned about. Reach out to your inner circle. Expand your circle. Check on that person you met a while ago. And you're like, hey, yo, you know, I spoke to you a while ago. How you doing? I want to make sure everything's okay. There's no agenda behind that except to check on your fellow neighbors. So, welcome to the group today, people. This one's uh, the show we're going to be doing, The Myth of Africans and Black Americans. And the show came about as a result of an episode that I saw on Vlad TV. He posted a lot of his episodes on YouTube. I've been watching quite a bit of them, and they're very fascinating. But that conversation took place between Vlad and uh, a, a comedian named Godfrey, who's actually Nigerian-American, as you see in his post, what have you. And I was really disturbed by it. You know, I'm, I can't even find the words that you can probably tell, but I was really disturbed by it, you know, by him saying that, you know, first off, Vlad kind of like, yes, he, it was weird. The conversation because I have nothing against Vlad. I love his shows. I don't know him personally, so I'm not going to dog him or anything like that. That's, I mean, that's not righteous or anything like that. I did write him after I saw a show that I viewed that show and I say, hey, look, man, I saw your show. We was talking to Brother Godfrey. You was talking about relationship between Africans and Black Americans. Um, I don't agree with everything he's saying, but obviously he's speaking on his experience. I like to be on your show or be uh, be a guest on your show so I can speak on the other side of the coin and speak about my experience and how. There may be misunderstandings from both sides and how these conversations don't really seem to get anywhere because it seems to become a blaming thing or what have you. And, you know, I wrote him this a couple weeks ago, haven't heard anything back. So hopefully he's doing all, he's doing, Vlad's doing all right, Garfield's doing all right, what have you. Again, there's no animosity to, to either one of them. I was just really disturbed. Now, of course, when Vlad said there was a controversy over it and Garfield's like, why? It's true. He don't care what people think. That that was really disheartening to hear because my res- my respect for him is so high. It's you'd be surprised. I didn't know he was Nigerian. I just thought he was some. I actually thought he was West Indian because he did he, not West Indian. He did something where he had, he had an accent. I'm like, where's his brother from? But he's a riot. You know, he did this uh, clip. He did an episode. He did a, a little skit where he was mimicking R. Kelly. I'm not gonna do it here. And he did something that was really profound, and I know a lot of people appreciate it. And I know I did. And I know lots of did where. He came to the defense of black women, and I didn't have time to get that episode downloaded or uploaded to uh, today's show, but I'll definitely play it down the road when I talk when I do an, an episode on the sisterhood. But he just went he went in and just defended the sisters, and he just went off like about a good ten minutes breaking it down as a way it had to be broken down. And you, when I look at the comments on uh, Vlad's channel under that episode, it's not but love. People, the sisters like yo, thank God, like. You know, we appreciate it. And I was having flashbacks when Malcolm talked about how the sisterhood is the most disrespected, what have you. But I'm going to leave it there. We'll talk about that later on. But this particular episode, it really bothered me. And it even bothered me more so that when Vlad interjected uh, brother uh, Rick Ross, Freeway Rick Ross, he's a former, uh, literally, I don't know, drug dealer who was like one of the, ma- the biggest ones at the time. And it was disheartening to hear him make the comment that he did that Africans have problem with black Americans. Black Americans don't have problems with Africans because let me explain something to you. When I first came, now that might be his experience. Garth might be speaking his experience. So who am I to say they're wrong? What I will say is that it was somewhat one-sided because there never seemed to be an explanation as to maybe why these things happen because it goes both ways. And Garfrey broke it down towards the end of the episode when he said, hey, look, you know, the, the, and I'm paraphrasing the images. And you can go back and hear what he had said towards the end. And that's what I wish he, he extended on more of. Maybe he did. I haven't seen the whole episode. But, you know, the thing is, he had broken it down. Like, you know, the images that we see of our brothers and sisters of America, black Americans, that we see on the continent isn't really good. The images that our black American brothers and sisters see over here of us on the continent 
isn't really good. So we have to get beyond the media and get you know get to the face to face and have a conversation. Just chill out, hang out, and not have a conversation and say, "Oh, you slow me into slavery," and "Oh, all that. no." Okay, this whole that's another show. But I'll give you a little, someone, okay. Someone asked you to talk about that. Okay, I'll give you an example. The the big argument sometimes that happens when you have Black Americans and Africans they get into a conversation is that sometimes quite a few Black Americans say you need to apologize for selling us into slavery, and the Africans are like, "What are you talking about?" And it's not like they're finding ignorance. They're asking, we have to apologize for what? So they're like, no, you need to apologize. You need to apologize. One, it's like we need to get reparations. Two, we need you know, from the, from the Anglos. Two, we need to get an uh, apology from the black Africans or the Africans overall, whatever, because they sold into slavery. So let me break it down as, a, as like a fraction, all right? What happened was back in the day when, if you, look at, if you look at any culture, the Romans, what have you, the Romans at one point was three-fourths enslaved people. On the continent, when we had defeated our enemies, we took the vanquished into our culture, into our family, into our villages, what it may be, into our societies, and we made them part of the society. Now, they couldn't run things or dictate things or anything like that, but they were part of the society, what have you. Were they enslaved? Yes. You want to call them slaves? Feel free. But we, I like the word enslaved because you call them slaves, it, it dehumanizes them, even though they were dehumanized enough, especially when the Europeans came down. So this is what happened. When the Europeans came down and... They want to trade with some of our people. Some of our little misguided leadership down there, the kings, where it may be, they exchanged uh, some of our enslaved for some of the goods from the Europeans. Because in their mind, they thought the Europeans had the same ideology when it came to enslavement. Now, let's go a little, little, let's go a little forward in time and then come back. The indentured in New England was the Irish. There was, a, like, literally, and you still see the animosity between the Irish and the Italians over there. So um, primarily was was uh, of Irish descent. You had a lot of black folks living over there, and based on the Christian ideology, was you couldn't enslave a fellow Christian. And ironically, or coincidentally, a lot of the black Africans there were, you know, Christians. <laughs> so, but what happened? Word got back to Ireland of how the Irish are being treated. Now this is a little known fact, but I came across it in a couple of readings, and I wish I had the sources in front of me, so I apologize for that. Word got back to the Irish how they was being treated. In, in the leadership in Ireland, they said, oh, this is, we're done. We're, we're not doing this anymore. We're not going to allow people to come over there anymore to be exploited, what have you, X, Y, and Z. And a, lot, a big crisis took place. Now, let me come back to what happened when the Europeans came down to the west coast of Africa, primarily. And then what happened was this. When a lot of the enslaved fled their, their captors, and return back to where they came from, the villages, the societies, what have you, and articulated and essentially told their leadership, the councils, of what was being done to them. Shock wasn't even a word that could be used to describe the reaction. They showed the bruises, the beatings, the scars, amputated limbs, what have you. Then, when the Europeans came down to do their normal trading, quote-unquote, normal, end quote, trading. Did I do that right? <laughs> Anyways, when they came down and said, hey, you know, we like to exchange some of our goods we are enslaved, the, the society leadership said no. The kings said no. We're not doing this because we hear you, how you're treating our people. That's not happening. We didn't agree to this. We thought you were treating the enslaved like we treat them. That's not right. We're not going to give you our people to be subjugated and brutalized and murdered and raped and exploited. I'm not saying that society didn't do that around the world or in Africa, whatever. I'm not saying there were some there were certain scrupulous leadership down there that wanted to be on the side of the Europeans or what have you. No, that's another conversation. What I am saying is that once the leadership on these West African countries said no, 
if you look at the timeline, that's when all these wars broke out on, West, on the West African coast. Why? Because the Europeans said, look, if you won't give them to us or trade with us, we're going to take them by force. And that's where if you look at the timeline and you find the actual sources that don't hide this information, that's when the wars broke out between the Europeans and the Africans. The Africans said, we're going to die before you give, we're going to give you our people. The Europeans said, fine, we'll get rid of your corpse and we'll, your corpse and we'll take who the survivors are. That's what happened. But somehow, I think it started with Henry Louis Gates when he did his program some time ago, when he went down into the bush and he found some African down there deep in the bush, I don't know where, what country, whatever, and he found this guy to say, yes, we were wrong for selling you into slavery, what have you. And, and you'd think Henry Louis Gates would know better. But that's an example of people, they find, they find a person says, okay, we'll apologize. They'll find some person that has no knowledge of what they're talking about anyway. And they say, you see, that person says say that you saw us into slavery. That's not true. That's not true. You won't believe how many people died during those wars on the West Coast between our people, the West Africans, and the Europeans. And let's, one, let's, let's not forget something here. A lot of people tend to talk about the slave trade as it emanated from the West, from West Coast, West Africa. But a lot of people don't understand for a lot of us in East Africa, in Central Africa, especially the eastern part of my country, whatever, we had to deal with the Arab. It was a Sahelian trade. More people left in that direction than coming to the United States or the New World, as they call it, because we had the land masses that they could just come across and take us back. So I think we make the big mistake. I feel we make the big mistake, and we make it seem like the slave trade only took place in one direction, and it only impacted one culture. People will say, you know, our ancestors, our ancestors, our ancestors were, you know, were brought here, and look what happened. Well, a lot of people seem to forget and need to remember that the ancestors that was brought here, right, that are the ancestors of our black American brothers and sisters, are our ancestors that was taken from us. They took away the brain, they took away the bronze, they took away the scientists, they took away the leadership, they took away the religious people, they took away the teachers, they took away everything. And what do you think that did to the development of all these countries? A matter that did not happen. Now, I'm not talking about some fictional place like Wakanda and a fictional African named Black Panther or T'Challa or whatever it may be. I'm talking about the reality here. All right? But yet, even with all that said, we still have, to, we still have this ideology that we sold the blacks off into slavery, that we don't like the black Americans. The black Americans think we don't like them. And no, I just can't get with that. I can't get with that. Now, the scene that Garfield was talking about, I played for you. That's the scene from Sugar Hill. Now, it's very interesting. And again, it's going to be one of my short shows because I just, so much have to do with this COVID-19 stuff. So it'll probably be about 30 minutes. Well, I'll try to keep it 30 minutes. You know how I tend to get into my groove. That show was very interesting. Because the name of the film was Sugar Hill. It came out back in 1993, all right? Let me break down on the breakdown of who was involved. So it was Leon Achasso, he's a director, he's Anglo-Cuban. The writer was a black American brother named Barry Michael Cooper. And he wrote an episode, by the way, of She Got a, she got a Habit, of that recent TV series, called my For My Negus and My Vicious, All Words, Words Matter. And that's Negus, N-E-G-U-S, and My Vicious, B-I-S-H-E-S. Okay. He wrote that movie, Sugar Hill. Now... Let me articulate who the cast was in the movie. Brother Wesley, much love. Candy Alexander, Devon Nixon, O.L. Duke, Clarence William III, the legend. Ava Golda, rest in peace. Michael Wright, one of the most underrated actors who I've ever seen. John Pittman, Steve Harris, another underrated actor. Did a great scene in Boston Law. I gotta I got find that scene. But that's, a, that's a side check, I apologize. Some other people as well, Kimberly Russell and Teresa Randall, one of the most underrated actresses, period. 
she and Cammy was just doing the business back in the day. And why they're not doing more work is beyond me. It's a crime. It's, it's, a, it's a shame. Anyways, now, Wesley was in the scene with Brother Eric, right? And in the scene, you hear, you hear him talk about how, yeah, you know, we look to them people for our history and our culture, and he shakes his head. Yet, the brother, Eric, says, well, you know, forget that nonsense, man. You want to know about history looking at National Geographic. But he also makes some derogatory comments about Italians. Now, it's ironic that Wesley gives his character, Romeo, gives him a, he, gives him a, he looks at him, but you can't tell. if It looks more that he's disgusted by what his own brother said about the Italians. But then my attitude is like, Wesley's playing a notorious drug dealer, and he gets mad because these guys say, a cotton picker, yeah, he's mad because he says about this, but he's, he's dealing just with his own community. Now, if the, 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 the reason why I bring that up is this. When that movie came out, right, that's an entire, it was pretty much a 90% black cast. The brother who wrote that scene was a black American. Did anybody in that movie say, we can't say this line? Especially he goes, oh, they're Nigerian. Now, I want to know how Godfrey felt about that scene because I don't care if it was, I don't care about what people may say. I'm not going to, I don't sit by and I, I let any Africans be mouthed, you know, be slandered like that, whatever. Why do they have to be the Nigerians? Why couldn't they be from Baltimore or someplace like that? Why can't they be some, that made no sense to me. But did, I, want, I would be curious to know if I could find a DVD or if I'm absolutely whatever. Did anyone say, look, we can't make these, we can't say these statements because it's not true or it's going to cause friction between us and our brothers and sisters at a time when we need to be more unified or it might be taken the wrong way or it might be stereotypical? And why are you saying Nigerians? Now, D District 9 that came out a couple of years ago, this movie that had to do with the aliens in South Africa, it's a very interesting film, a movie located in South Africa, made by South African director uh, Neil Blom. I'm probably killing his last name. That movie is had to do with aliens who are not part of society. And they always use aliens as analogies for the impoverished, the low-income black folks, whatever it may be. They always say this in comic books and movies, especially with the X-Men, whatever it may be, right? Well, anyways, there's a scene where the aliens are hooking up with some prostitutes, and the broadcast says they're Nigerian prostitutes. Now, what, if, you, if you could have heard my reaction when I heard that, Slanderous. What? Why? Why would it be Nigerian process? We already know you're in South Africa. You don't have to say exactly. Now you're you're in South Africa. So why are you going to mention Nigerians? Now, mind you, of course, the director is Anglo. He's, you know, he's Afrikaans or Anglo South African, what it may be, what it may be. But the thing is, these lines are being written by people, but the actors are saying them. So why is it, was it, what agenda was it? Was this be a metaphorically thing that, okay, I want to put this, this reaction that I have towards black Americans, towards Africans in this scene. I'm going to have them say something racist towards us that's discriminatory, that's, 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 that's beyond racism, whatever, right? And then I'm going to have Wesley and the Brothers beat up the Africans metaphorically on behalf of all the black Americans who feel like that. No, come on, man. That was unrighteous. That was unrighteous. So the thing for me is, and again, I want to keep this short. I won't be too long. And you're probably like, oh, my God. This guy. Yeah, this is how I really feel about it. When it comes to the 419ers, that comes out of Nigeria. That's a penal code. All right? One of their laws, laws in the books over there, right? So, Sugar Hill mentions Nigerian. I saw a movie, I think it was something new, where the sister said, oh, you know, she's a black woman. She goes, no, I'm not going to deal with the brothers. I'm going to date outside my race. I'm going to date an African. Oh, okay, whatever. Right? And then on top of that, District 9, yeah, Nigerian prostitutes? Okay, you know, let me let me let me break down something. I just talked to a fellow African right, of mine, West African. We had a conversation, a good friend of mine, we had a conversation like we all tend to do. And I asked him, 
Because this came up, someone made a comment about Nigerians, what have you. And I think it was a, I can't remember how it came about, but anyway, excuse me. Actually, I do, but it'll be a long story. So I asked them, we were talking, I said, I have a question for you. In your culture, who's the one that y'all, who's the Africans y'all don't trust? Like, you don't, like, you don't, you, you have to, like, keep, watch, keep an eye on them. Without thinking, he said Nigerians. And I said, you know, we can't indict all our brothers based on certain, just on, or sisters on, just on a select few. I've read articles about brothers moving to the continent. I've read articles about sisters moving to the continent, talking about their experiences, eye-opening. Of course, some of the brothers and sisters go over there with an entitlement, being that they're coming from the West. But they talk about how they see how the experience of being there has really opened their eyes to certain things, opened their eyes to what they're missing. Akon says America wasn't meant for black folks, what have you. I've read somewhere that Will Smith said when he went to go do Ali in, uh, and he went to Mozambique, he said when he got off the plane in South Africa, I believe what he went through as, as a transit to Mozambique, he said he felt this big weight lifted off his shoulder. And then when he went to Mozambique, he saw his face everywhere he looked, saw his face looking back at him. And then when he came back to, South, back to Los Angeles, he felt this, this big weight back on his shoulder. And I believe that's why he said he had bought, he had bought in apparently a, a home in South Africa. Hold on. We talk about that. Michael Jackson, who people slander all the time because, oh, my God, he's trying to be white. No, yeah, Vitilago. He tried to save his black skin when he used everything he could. Didn't work. He said, I'm just going to bleach off the rest of it. I'm going to call it a day. Forget it. I'm done. So Michael went over there. He even did there's the interview. He's been received somewhere in the West Africa. In the West Africa, has the dancers and stuff like that. I've never been cool with the dancing and stuff like that because I think it feels falls into a stereotype. But that's the culture. It's reception. It's reception. And Michael said, and you can see you can see the interview. He said that you know this is where I'm from. Now I got it. Now I got it. This is where I come from. This is where I'm from. So I, so this whole thing about this strife between Black Americans and Africans. The one thing that he has said that God, Brother Godfrey has said, and it's true. A lot of us, we see on the content, we see images of our brothers and sisters, and they're not really that good. And Sally Lavo's images are written and produced by our brothers and sisters. And then a lot of us over here, you know, in black, you know, in America, I won't say black America, right? In America, or the West, whatever, we see the images of our brothers and sisters on the African continent, even the West Indies as well. But you usually remember primarily the African continent. Those images aren't any good. And the thing is, it's not like we produce images of us, us being savages in the bush or anything like that. No, Nollywood, Ghana, Congo, Rwanda, all these countries, they're making their own cinema. They're not over there waiting, saying, hey, we need a break up, get a break in, in, in America. Like, no, we have, our, we have our people over here. But the, the media likes to portray us as, you know, I think I saw Brother T.D. Jakes when he did a video as well. And a lot of these um, churches do this. You know, what the, the media over here does, they'll show a clip of some pot-bellied kid with this you know, bald head, emaciated, flies, flies, you know, buzzing around his head, probably a lion in the bush, a lion in the bush ready to eat him or something like that, and say, if you send one dollar, we can feed, we can feed Mohammed here and Ahmed or little Chachala here for ten years. If you can give five dollars, we can feed his whole generation, his whole lineage. Am I, what? what, what? Missionaries don't really help out the map because they go over there and make it seem like we're nothing. Except for that one brother during the '60s when he found what Leopold of Belgium was doing, he fought against he fought against that exploitation and massacre and slaughter. So I want to come back and wrap this up because I'm gonna get I'm gonna, I'm gonna get I don't want to get started, but I didn't really like the episode because it was pretty much one sided, and to hear Brother Godfrey, who I have nothing but love and respect for, I mean the guy's a riot. I didn't really hear about him until I started asking my friends who this guy was. And to see him do, go on, to, to see him lay down the sword when he was defending the sisters, yo, I'm a, I, I, I got to give it up. 
But it was just disheartening that I wish he had said towards the end that what I wish he had said at the end of his of that clip. I wish he said in the beginning that is that these images are going back and forth because the images are presenting both of both of us on the on the east side of the water in a negative light. Because you go to you, let me tell you something. You go to like some places in South Africa. You go some places in Nigeria. You go some places in Ghana. You go some places in Congo. Large countries: Ethiopia, Kenya, Algeria, Morocco. That, I'm not even into the conversation when people think, "Oh, the North Africans—they're not really Africans because the Africans are dark-skinned. Those people are more Arab." Give me a friggin' break. I, I had to catch myself because the reason why is that we see them as African. They see themselves as African. You're gonna say, and then they're gonna say, "Oh, you know, how some white person in South Africa gonna say they're African?" Well, Charlie Teron was born in South Africa. She wants to consider herself South African. If Nelson Mandela can say that the Africans are just as much African as the black Africans, that's good enough for me. That should shut everybody up, all right? Because Nelson Mandela said, they were like, why are you reaching out to me? He goes, no, because they have a stake in this country as well. They're just as African as, as we are. Now, if they flee the country because they're worried about retaliation, so be it. We don't need them. I, that cracked me up, though, which is true. So, <laughs> but the thing is, Charlie's Teron. Now, I'm going to say something here, and people will say, you see, it's like saying, I'm not racist, I have two black friends. Oh, here we go. No. Charlize Theron has, he, she adopted two black African kids from South Africa. I don't know her motives, except she wants to adopt two kids from South Africa, and the amount of kids in, in the, we don't really call it foster care, but up for adoption in a lot of countries, including here in the United States, I saw somewhere that you can fill up four football stadiums the size of the USC football stadiums. I don't know what that football stadium's called, whatever. Four times, right? You call her anything but South African, Charles Tyrone is actually Tyrone, but I can't say the way she says it. She'd cut you. Teresa Hines of the Hines uh, Empire, you know, Hines Ketchup and stuff like that. I believe she was born in Mozambique. When she gave the greetings, or at the, the Democratic National Convention where her, when her husband, John Kay, was running. Mind you, she's a billionaire. He has more, she has more money than him. She greeted, she goes to all my continent of Africans. And I believe she greeted in several different languages, whatever. But you know who gave her the hardest time? It was the, Congress, it was the Congressional Black Caucus. They were like, who's this person? She goes, yeah, I'm African-American. I'm African. I'm an American citizen. And they were looking like she was crazy. So explain that. I'm going to say it for the show. I'm going to end it where it is. And all I want to say to you is that we have to have these conversations. I hope Vlad would invite me on the show because he gives some great interviews. He had uh, Brother Nuri Mohammed, I think his name is. I never heard of Brother. I saw him on the show. And I was like, who's this young brother? The guy looks 19, but he's actually 40-something. Right? Vlad understands Russian. Well, there's Russian mercenaries all over Central Africa and Banki trying to maintain the government and all that kind of stuff, whatever. Am I going to indict Brother Vlad because of them? No. So... I'm sure Vlad had a deeper conversation. I'm giving the benefit of doubt that he had a deeper conversation with the camera, off camera, whatever. But I really would like to be on his show to say, look, here's the other side of the coin. Because my experiences, and I'll share this with you, a lot of people don't know. When we first came to the United States, and I, back in the day when I was in my, in my, in my pre-teens, because we were going back and forth, back and forth as I was growing up. When I saw the brothers and sisters here, I said, they look like me. It's going to be nothing but love. And let me tell you, starting in middle school, I was jumped on, beat up. Chase home, harassed. My sister was harassed. They made fun of me because I had an accent. I couldn't speak English. All those kinds of stuff, whatever. And these are the brothers and sisters doing that to me. Where I'm teaching now, a couple years ago, I met this young lady from, from, from you know, she's from Ghana. We, during the class, I had mentioned I'm from Africa. I'm an immigrant because I, you know, have, oh, wait, how you learn English? I learned English here. Trust me, there's another conversation. She came to me after class and said, you know, I want to talk to you what's going on. She goes, I'm being bullied. I'm like, what's going on? She said, the brothers and sisters, the black Americans are bullying her. 
I'm like, wow. She goes, because when I speak my language, they give me a hard time. And then a video came up where they actually surrounded her and they were bullying her on video. Believe me, that got rectified. That got locked down. She was making the mistake of trying to fit in. I'm like, you don't fit in. No, 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 no. You don't fit in. Don't do that nonsense. Forget that nonsense, okay? What you want to do is be, be, be proud of your culture. All that's happening is that when you speak your language, you're reminding them of the language they don't have, the language that was taken from them, the language they wish they had. Do they say anything when the, when the Latinos are speaking Spanish or Mayan or whatever it may be, whatever? No. The thing is, you're in, a, you're in a place that was founded by somebody that's from your culture. Embrace that. You have a culture. Embrace that. When someone to go back to Africa, you can say, yeah, I'll go back. Where are you going to go? But the thing is, she was getting brutalized. There's a lot of Africans here that can talk about, there's a lot of Africans that can talk about how they were brutalized by people in this country when we first got here. But I made sure to not let that indict all my brothers and sisters because I refused to do that because my dad said they're not all like that. All right. And as I grew up, I was meeting a whole lot of brothers and sisters that had nothing but love, and I really appreciate it. Of course, we still have these challenges, whatever. It's, I believe I saw Lauren, I believe it was Lauren Hill who mentioned that when she met uh, Wyclef and the guy Jean, Wyclef and the other guy from the Fuji's, whose name is Casey at the moment, she goes, they, she didn't know they were Haitian for like a couple of years. Apparently, she thinks she thought they were fronting that they weren't Haitian, whatever it may be. I don't know. But she brought that up. So the thing is, you know, back in the day, what happened if you called a black person, Spike talked about If you called a black American and said, you know, you're not, but your mother's African, whatever, they want to fight you. So the only way we want to resolve these things, we have to have an open dialogue, but not have an open dialogue expecting an apology. Have a dialogue to say, look, we have to understand where these images are coming from, and we have to understand what these images are doing to us. Now, I'm not saying we need to close the gap between us and them. This young sister, something Robinson, I gotta find her. I'm gonna give her a shout out in the credits. She did a nice video where she interviewed cool young sister. And I, it was one of the most, I, it was one of the best videos I've ever seen. But she was, but she's like 20. She says in her, her, her comment, she went and interviewed black Americans, Africans, whatever it may be, and she was honestly just asking questions. And it, I'm, I'm gonna put that link into the description of this episode. Uh, give me some time. I'll put it in there. I didn't put it in today. I'll put it there later on. But I put a comment up there saying, you know what? She wants to just close the gap. And she said when she went to the continent, it was eye-opening for her. And I encourage everybody to go to the continent and, and check it out. Like, we go to the West Indies and check it out. But don't just go to, like, the resort in Jamaica. Go meet, talk. Be, my dad went to Jamaica. He was there for so long. He, my, when he came back, he started growing locks. My mom said, you better cut the locks. I'm going to divorce you. But he went down there to I have the pictures. He, wanted, he went down to be among the people. He didn't want to be in the resort. For what? That's like, that's like a plastic bubble. When you go to Africa, why do you want to go on a safari? Go meet with the people. Hang out with the people. Be among the people. There's a large expat community of black Americans over in Ghana, right? Or white men because it's English-speaking for the most part. Some parts of Nigeria, whatever. But you know, they want to go, but they want to go to Africa. I want to come over here and I want to see the, the gate of the house, the door of no return. But let me tell you what happened a couple of years ago when the Ghanaians said we're going to offer a citizenship to our black American brothers overseas. You know, black American, obviously, what have you, so the United States. They said, you know, we'll, we'll give you citizenship and there are certain conditions. So a lot of black Americans swarmed to Ghana and said, we're here for our citizenship. And the Ghanaians said, yes, you have to be here seven years. A lot of black folks weren't hearing that. I was getting emails from folks who thought I was Ghanaian going off of me saying, you backstabber, you betrayed us, you lied to us, you said we can get citizenship. I'm like, look, whoa, 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 whoa. Every country, even when Madonna went to adopt kids, had to follow the rules. Well, she tried to follow the rules, right? So every country, United States, five years, you have to be here legally, permanent resident, then you can apply for citizenship. The Ghanaians have their own rules as well. You have to be there seven years, then you can apply for citizenship. They want to know you're there to be there, you're there to hang out. Try to get a, a citizenship from China. See what their rules are. Japan, see what their rules are. All right. So I'm going to leave it there. I'm done. I'm finished. That's what I had to say. You know, I want to say it here. Am I disappointed? Yes. But 
do I have any hatred towards Brother Vlad, Brother Godfrey? No. You, he may say that he doesn't care what we think, whatever. He, he Deep down, I think he cares. Because it bothers me that as a Nigerian, he wasn't slandered, he wasn't upset by the line that the drug dealers said, oh yeah, they're Nigerian. They're drug dealers. And then why do you want to talk about look at them for our history and our culture? Come on, man. Why is it no, did any actors say those lines were wrong? Did any actors say those lines, those, that scene was, was, was unrighteous? Or they everybody say, yeah, we believe that as well about the Africans. So we're going to do the scene with, with righteousness, whatever. And remember, our brother wrote that. So what can we do? People, stay safe out there. Side kiss for being alive and direct. So much love. Stay safe. Be careful. Wash your hands. And remember, you have value. And this is, as they say, this too shall pass. Side kiss for being alive and direct. I'm gone. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.